I think one of the great things about these um, panels is you just get the chance to hear completely different perspectives. So I'm going to go almost completely the opposite end to where Sam's just been. And effectively, what I wanted to just try and do is really look at it from a system perspective uh, and just think about what task does the next government have as it kind of comes into office on uh, May the 8th. And I suppose I want to just make the observation that I increasingly hear two um, rather worryingly kind of polarised schools of thought um, as to what the task for the next government is. And one school of thought effectively says that um, if you look at the scale of the challenge that we're kind of currently facing uh, in terms of... and. You know, just to give you an example from what it looks like from the provider sector, clearly we've missed a bunch of performance targets really quite seriously um, over the last year. There's an argument that says that that missing is speeding up. If you look at the finances, when we started this year, I think we thought it was going to be probably somewhere like half a, mil uh, half a billion pounds provider sector deficit. It will end up this year as probably minus a billion. Um, uh, you may have read Alistair McLennan's rather interesting article yesterday in the HSJ, which is positing um, a provider sector financial deficit in 1516 of £2 billion. I think our view is that may be an underestimate. In other words, it could be higher than £2 billion. So you get this real kind of sense of, on the provider sector side, a strategic deterioration that kind of appears to be um, speeding up. So... There's one school of thought that says, look, what really, really counts is focus on the delivery. Start from where we kind of currently are. Um, in a sense, the five-year view is a bit of a distraction when you're looking at the scale of the kind of current delivery challenge. And what we really need is honesty and realism about where we are and how we are going to stabilise the NHS and actually get back to a point where we can meet the performance targets and we've actually kind of got the finances back in balance. And um, as Richard Douglas at the Department of Health describes it, that's left-right thinking. In other words, start from where you are and work forward. Um, there's then, I think, a completely different school of thought um, that basically says... Actually, we have this fantastic five-year vision. We absolutely need to work backwards from that, so go from right to left and really work out how we are going to implement um, that transformational vision inside the NHS and that, therefore, the focus should be on transformation and that, actually, if we just spend our whole time trying to stabilise and deliver within the existing model, that is simply unsustainable and that, actually, what really counts here is the ambition and the passion for transformation and that what really needs to, we need to focus on is how we are going to transform the NHS. And what I in interestingly see is I begin to see these two polarised views kind of beginning to throw rocks at each other. So effectively, what I kind of hear um, the guys who are saying, look, we've got to focus on delivery is, look, wildly optimistic five-year forward view, wishful thinking about how much can be delivered, ignoring the severity of actually what the kind of current problems are and minimising the scale of the forward operational challenge kind of away with the fairies. And then you've kind of got basically the five-year forward view, it's all about transformation. People saying, oh, for goodness sake, these guys are so pessimistic. They're spending their whole time ignoring the importance of kind of transforming and they're completely trapped in the sustainable kind of day-to-day -day, and they're basically completely irretrievably stuck because if we try and carry on running faster within the existing model, we're going to get nowhere. And I do, I do genuinely kind of see a real duality here and I really do hear people kind of say some really quite 
I wouldn't say abusive things, but kind of some really quite pointed things about the other point of view. So the point I really wanted to try and make today is that it just seems to us really pretty self-evident that you've got to do both, and that our kind of watchword for the task for the next parliament is stabilise and transform, and that effectively what the argument is that... Um, uh, we have to stabilise the NHS, and genuinely, and I think we, if you wish to explore it, I think it's a really interesting topic. I think at the moment um, we are in real danger of this strategic deterioration really speeding up and really getting out of control. Um, so uh, it seems to me very difficult, if you look at it from a provider perspective, to start thinking about transforming whilst you're missing all of the targets, the uh, provider side financial deficit is growing very, very rapidly. So we have to stabilise. Uh, and I can't see how we can transform without stabilising. But equally, it would be just as much folly to kind of pretend that actually the task is just about stabilisation because we do have to clearly transform. And so I think the real kind of $6 million question for me is how do you get that really interesting balance between stabilising and transforming? And so when you walk in through the door as a new ministerial team, you will be assaulted by a bunch of financial demands from the NHS. And this is, I think, where a really good example of where there's a really interesting question about how that balance is struck. Because when you walk in through the door, you'll hear four immediate demands for money. The first demand will be, look at the provider sector, two billion, two and a half kind of billion pound um, deficit scheduled for 1516. Uh, it's looking really, really difficult, Minister, Secretary of State. They're going to miss all of their performance targets. You have to plug that hole or else the NHS simply will not deliver its constitutional performance targets. And, you know, um, provider finances will just run completely out of control unless you plug that gap. There'll be a second set of people who are arguing, look, we're not going to deliver the transformation until you make an investment in a transformation fund. And there's a fantastic piece of work that our friends at um, the King's Fund and the Nuffield Trust are currently working on to really identify exactly what that transformation fund would look like. So there'll be a bunch of people who are saying, no, no, look, the money's kind of got to go into transformation. There will, I hope, be a third group of people who are saying... The five-year forward view set out really, really clearly that the NHS has got to realise £22 billion worth of savings over the next five years. It is simply, in our view, inconceivable that we can realise um, those savings without some pump priming. Many of you may have heard of the concept of spend to save. In other words, that effectively, in order to realise a much larger amount of savings, you actually have to pump prime those savings. So I kind of assume there'll be a bunch of people arguing, look, we've got to deliver the £22 million savings to plug the gap. Actually, we need to spend to save. Then, if you're in the Labour Party, you've also then got a very interesting manifesto commitment to employ, I think it's, what is it, 10,000 more nurses, 5,000 more widwives, 3,000 more GPs, and 5,000 new um, home care workers. So the point I'm just really kind of trying to illustrate here is that where the choice is made between plugging the day-to-day -day operational gap and investing in transformation is a great example of where we strike that balance. But the key task, it seems to me, is... You just have to accept that it cannot be one or the other. It absolutely has to be both. You have to both stabilise and transform. Chris, thanks very much. Can I just uh, pick up a, a couple of points on that? To be clear then, you're saying, if I've heard you correctly, I want to make sure I'm not misrepresenting your views here. Next year, realistically, there might be a two billion deficit on the provider side, even with the additional funds that were announced in the autumn statement? Yeah. Um, if, if not two and a half. 
And that's a figure that Alistair McClellan put out yesterday in the HSJ, and that's a figure that... So, you know, I mean, last five um, chief execs I've spoken to, and I've said, so where are you up to financially? Most of them said they went into deficit in 1415. A number of them said they went into deficit first time um, in 1415. It's about 10 million. They're currently projecting a 15-16 deficit of 25 million. So effectively, you know, you're getting... Um, and then, of course, that is without... Uh, well, that includes um, the fact that you've got a bunch of very large trusts, um, um, acute trusts, tertiary trusts at the moment, who are currently in surplus. But if you actually look at where the tariff has ended up and the fact they've been put on um, the rolled-over tariff basically means that there's a whole bunch of about 20, 25 really, really big trusts, nearly all of whom were in surplus, who will straight away flip into deficit next year. So that's another big driver of that um, deterioration from what we think will be a billion this year to somewhere between two and two and a half next on current plans. And if the new government, let's say we have one on the 8th of May, says that's not acceptable... We're going to reinstitute hard budgets for the NHS, which have gotten an awful lot softer in the last two years. You've got to maintain financial discipline. What would be the consequence of that? Um, uh, my view would be that um, the time must pass for that. I mean, effectively, in order... So, so in, in terms of actually being able to get back to anywhere near balance, in order to do that, 70% of provider sector costs are in workforce. You simply cannot reduce workforce numbers um, that quickly. So, yes, it's perfectly possible to kind of say to people, you will have a hard target, but the idea that the target would be... Um, unless there are substantial amounts of money kind of put in, would be any less than in the vast majority of cases a significant deficit. It's just impossible because you cannot reduce staff that quickly. So just to be crystal clear, if there was that commitment, you would have to start cutting staff. That would then compromise quality of yep. patient care. And it may mean that the targets would be missed even more than it's the case at the moment. Yes, and so, so effectively what you've got is that if you've got um, 70% of your cost base is effectively... And I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, it's always like difficult talking in these kind of languages because it's very impersonal and um, I really don't want to appear as though, you know, I view valued NHS staff as part of a cost base. But in order for the terms of this kind of conversation, sure. um, the reality is that if you think about what it takes to reduce staff numbers, even on a voluntary basis, let alone you know, a compulsory basis, that is a process that takes really kind of quite a long time. And, you know, we are what? We are um, 11, 12 days away from the start of 15, 16. So the idea that somehow you could reduce staff numbers, so, you know, um, that quickly for a financial year that starts in 12 days, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, you know, it just takes at least, you know, 9, 12 months of planning to kind of effectively look at scenarios staff numbers. So there is a two, we think there is a two, and it's not just us who thinks this, and this is, you know, um, I... Um, the system, you know, recognises there is probably a two to two and a half billion pound gap next year. So you're saying essentially it's too late. Um, I'm saying it's t it's it's too late to get back to balance. Um, and, and and you know, and the reality is, for perfectly understandable reasons, that what's happened over the last. 18 months is that the government has taken a quite conscious decision that as long as the NHS total balances, yep, in other words, the total NHS budget balances, it's very happy to backdoor fund those people who are getting into deficits. The, the, the key bit that we haven't said, just one final point, because I know you want to move on, is that the bit that people haven't really registered is that at the moment what's happening is those deficits in the foundation trust sector are being effectively subsidised by the cash reserves that the foundation trusts have built up. 
And again, I've lost count of the number of people who've said to me over the last three months, um, I am going to run out of cash in period 9, period 10, period 11, two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through 15, 16. So whilst we've been able to make this work, this let's run up the deficits and then fund them through the back door, it's, I, I can't see how you can balance the NHS budget if when you get to the third quarter of next year, you've got a whole load of people saying, I've now run out of cash, I absolutely need cash from the centre. So the NHS in 2015-16, we're hearing, will be technically bankrupt. Um, I, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say technically bankrupt because clearly, you know, um, there will need to be a way in which somehow um, these sums are resolved because the Department of Health can't bust the vote. All I'm saying is that genuinely, and I'm not scaremongering here, at, scaremongering here at all, the current projected deficit, and we'll know for sure when the plans get put in in about, you know, in, in two, three, four weeks' time, but that all the work that's been done on the modelling of where we've ended up in the tariff says that the provider sector deficit will grow from about a billion this year to two, two and a half next, and crucially, the cash reserves start running out for lots of people three quarters of the way through the year. So we are absolutely back into that famous 2004-56 territory where effectively, yes, vast chunks of the NHS simply run out of cash.